Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk, a podcast on recovery with Elizabeth Pudwell and MG. We bring you our experience, strength, and hope from a variety of sources, therapy, 12-step recovery, and life lessons of long-term sobriety. To contact us, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Sober Sisters Talk. We're glad you're here. Now here's our next podcast. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And I'm CJ. And together we are Sober Sober Sisters Talk. We're going to talk. We were just talking about what we're going to talk about. And CJ said, I could talk about this for a long time. So you're going to hear us today. (laughs) So um, this is Sober Sisters. And I, you know, I was sharing with CJ before we started, I noticed um, that one of my things with that in my dating stuff right now is being open and willing. And I had this, um, I had this encounter with this man and I I thought, Oh my God, he's just hiding stuff. And then of course, as sponsors do, she puts it back on me. She's like, hold up the mirror. What are you hiding? And it's true. It's like, I do not lead with, and I kind of, um, keep undercover that I am from Southern California, vegan, sober and liberal. And I do that because I am afraid here in Houston, Texas, <laughs> those qualities are not going to be very attractive. And so I don't, I, I just kind of like, it's on my profile, but I don't lead with it. And then um, I realized like one of the ways that I could practice being more open, and I was talking about this with my sponsor today, is doing this exercise where you make eye contact with everybody. You know, you're walking down the street, you make eye contact and hold it for one, two, three, and then you can smile or look away or whatever, but you get used to holding eye contact. I know, huh? So much here. Let me start with eye contact. Before I was sober in this program, making eye contact was, could be the beginning of an intrigue. And one of the things that I had to practice was going to the grocery or wherever I was going to and not doing it. Keeping my eyes on the floor or straight ahead And it wasn't until I tried not to do it that I realized how much I had been using it to get attention or just to see who's looking at me. And I think this is talked about in the basic text. I know in the withdrawal chapter, it talks about how we, we as in sex and love addicts, will go into the room and 
scope it out. A lot of people I've heard say, take the temperature of the room. But immediately, um, when you talked about eye contact, I thought, well, when I wasn't sober, that was definitely a way for me to figure out um, who had that vibe going, right? Well, I wonder, is this similar to... Um... I also shared with you that I was speaking with someone else about um, body image and like thinking if I have, if I, if I do this, if I do surgery, you know, plastic surgery or anything instant to my body, or even just like totally focus on, I need to have the perfect body so that a guy will like me or that I can find my partner or that I can find uh, attractive men. I don't want non-attractive, I only want attractive men. So is that the same thing? Like, I don't really have any self-esteem to attract a person on my own, and so I'm gonna do this sort of like thing with my eyes? That's a great question, and I don't know the answer. Oh. Um, what I'm thinking is going back to where you were talking about not being open with your date, even though it's on your profile, not being open with your date about the things that make you, you. And I definitely remember when I was first in the program, women in the meeting were talking about being your authentic self, being their authentic self. And I thought to myself, what on earth are they talking about? Who else could I possibly be? <laughs> well, it was even, what is the meaning of an authentic self? And the reason I could not relate to that at all was because I didn't know who I was. And so when I hear you say that you're going to not lead with, or perhaps even keep covered up some of the things that make you, you, I think, well, why do that? Because if you're, if you have any interest in a long-term relationship, which is what you're out there dating for, I believe, then it's coming out eventually. And I think that's, that's mm, just like I said it's what makes you you and it I feel I think I'm hearing that you're trying to hide it and I know at one time I don't think it was on your profile so that's a big step no it wasn't right added it I don't know like a, a few months maybe six months ago maybe this year and opposites but, attract too I mean they can yeah they can also I, repel yeah <laughs> And the thing is, is that it's not going to change. I'm not going to abandon any of those things. Should I get into a relationship with somebody who doesn't know that or doesn't want me to be that? But, um, and I don't know. It's, it's like a fear thing. And I'll tell you what, what the answer to me when you, when you brought up that query was, um, I don't know, because I, I think that I, I don't struggle with knowing who my authentic self is. I'm just not sure that I'm totally, um, that I'm totally okay with it with somebody who doesn't agree with it. I'm afraid 
you know, I'm afraid of their response. You know, should I get a very conservative, you know, and there's, there's friction because in the place where I work, it, I just got one yesterday and the, the man um, began berating um, me. It, he was saying it to me and he was saying really lewd things, but it isn't uncommon for me to get that sort of dialogue at work because of uh, political statements. <laughs> well, that scares me. And <laughs> flip the flip the the script, I guess. Do you want to be on a date with a man who is hiding that he is completely what you don't want? Right. And are any of Whatever. those things deal breakers? Yeah. Are they deal breakers? I know one of your key questions for anyone that works with you is, what do you want? Well, what right. do you want? And you know what your deal breakers are and things that you can compromise on. And um, I make up that any guy that you go out with needs to know what they want. And if a vegan is not on the list, like, okay, well, let's clear that out right away. Why did you even come on this date? And maybe it has something to do with uh, people not being authentic on their profiles. And let me just stop right there because I haven't used Match.com since 2000. So that's, <laughs> I have no expert there. I think that there's, you know, this is part of my trauma from my past is mm. people is being in a relationship with men who hide things. So that's where that comes from. But, you know, it is, it's just work at presenting, you know, who I really am. And part of that is, you know, I'm a very bright, gregarious person and I love having spontaneous conversations with people, you know, and yet when I'm out in public, I kind of shut down with that unless, you know, I feel like there's a really good opening. And that's what my sponsor was telling me this morning is she wants me to initiate those and just, you know, be more playful. And, you know, I do feel like I'm a very playful, fun person, but I'm not leading with that. You know, I'm like, well, you don't get to see that part of me for, you know, weeks <laughs> which is you know that's not what I want to do it's I want to lead with my true self so yes and I think what would you want the person that's with you exactly you're you guys are out there you're having an experience um just be authentic be known um boundaried not too vulnerable and not letting it all hang out right like right there's stages right so the right. other part of this that we were discussing before we started to record was um the body image and um being afraid to date or become sexual with somebody because and i i think this is probably common among women should i take my clothes off he's not gonna like what he sees and I don't know like what's your experience around that it looks like you have a lot to say about that I'm reminded of when I one of the 
very first AA meetings that I went to because I got sober in AA first. And I was the newcomer in the room that did not have any filter on topics. I should have been listening instead of talking. <laughs> and I believe that I brought up something about how do we have sex or how am I supposed to have sex when I'm sober? And you know, of course I meant sober from drugs and alcohol at the time. Um, I think that before I was married, that um, drinking or at least having some kind of intoxication wasn't always required, but it was definitely part of the ritual. It was part of the ritual to go out to dinner, have some wine, go have some drinks, um, or, you know, just, it was, I was always drinking, and usually my partner was drinking with me. And also, I think about, um, you know, I wasn't emotionally sober, I wasn't sexually sober, I was not sober in any program, but I thought of myself as a very, like, liberal, good times person, life of the party. Um, I did not feel shame about my body. Um, once I got loosened up, I was fine. <laughs> um, and what I realized was is that moving so quickly into being sexual with someone was really my way of putting up a wall because I would say hello and then have sex, pretty much. I mean, there might have been a few hours in between. And this wasn't always the case. I mean, I did have long-term relationships, but that's how they started. And somehow I would just manage to make them into long-term relationships because I thought I needed to get someone hooked with sex. And that's how I get love. So that's where I went first. And um, I would never needed to have the lights off. Um, I would say like my acting out was more on the exhibitionist side. Um, and now though, because um, the way I imagine that I would do it in the future would be with a dating plan, like actually knowing someone, having controlled levels of vulnerability and by the time it was time to have sex in this program soberly, um, I would hope, I, I'm, this may be fantasy or romanticizing, but I would hope that there would be a level of comfort there and also that there would be like this healthy fear or healthy anxiety, healthy excitement, um, and that my partner would be somebody I could talk with about it. Um, currently right now, I am, through the pandemic, I've gained, I think, 15 pounds. And the reason I don't know exactly is because um, I did start working OA last year, so I had to let go of some of the numbers obsession. But I do recall in college when I gained like 10 pounds, I think, and I thought to myself, I cannot have a boyfriend. I cannot even be looking for a boyfriend. I'm not even... Um, attractive enough to be looking for a boyfriend and uh now I just 
I look back at that young person in her 20s and I feel really sad, you know, about that. But that is definitely how I felt at the time. So what I've noticed about all of that, what you said that, you know, so like for me, what I envision with my dating life and getting to the place where I'm sexual and my clothes come off is that I feel loved mm. and known. And that is my objective with dating and, and that I'm like, I'm okay with it because like what you mentioned, I too would in, in my acting out in my uh, non sober days of sloth and drinking would meet somebody, you know, and within, you know, a few days, sometimes a few hours have sex and it just shuts off the ability to get to know who this person is. I don't know anything about their values or, you know, they don't know anything about me and that isn't what I want in a relationship. What I really want is to is to know and be known and then have sex. You know, I really want my, my bottom line behaviors. I don't want to have be, I don't want to have sex with a man until I'm in love with him and he's in love with me. And it, I think that that kind of erases that fear about my body because he's not in love with my body. It's, it's me. You know, not, I know what that feels like. That's a different feeling rather than I want to have sex with you. Right. You know what it feels like. You know what it feels like. And um, what happens when the sex starts early in the relationship, for me, especially if I were to hook up with another SLA, the hormones, the chemicals in the brain, the fantasy kicks in. I found my soulmate. Oh my gosh, I am so in love. We're so in love. And especially if that person is engaging in their acting out behaviors as well. And what I think is that I have so many, um, you know, work so many programs. There's no way I ever attracted anyone healthy. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> that stayed with me for any extended period of time. And not that I take their inventory, but now I realize like, oh, yes, he was a love addict. <laughs> he was mother enmeshed. He was definitely an alcoholic. Oh, he was a sex addict, right? And um, that I know to be true. But that ability to look back oh. is, you know, that yeah. is a gift. It's maturity, you know, we don't know that when we're doing it. So I wanted to ask, when did you figure out that you were, that the sex part was, you know, that having sex with somebody was removing the intimacy? What, how'd you get there? I'm sure it was in the last couple of years that I, got that it was learning what relearning the definition of intimacy thinking intimacy means being sexual right. and then i learned that there are different types of intimacy and i learned that in this program practicing it with um with women in the program 
the emotional intimacy, the intellectual intimacy. You know, what are you thinking about today? What are these thoughts that you're having? Not necessarily just how are you feeling? Uh, what else is going on? You know, what are you up to in life? And developing these friendships based on conversations and having the coffee. And all of this started happening, I would say, after uh, myself and my litter mates were really sobering up. And we were kind of out of withdrawal because during withdrawal, it's a lot of bonding over how miserable, <laughs> how miserable we are. And then... Slowly but surely, as we stay sober, the misery is subsiding. And then, now what are we going to talk about? And we can't talk about other people in the program because we don't gossip, right? Or I try not to anymore because we've learned our character defects. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to say, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said in this meeting? And we don't do that stuff anymore. So that. And, and then I'm in DA, so I don't go shopping and spend money that I don't have. What am I going to do with women? What am I going <laughs> to, what are our friendships going to be based on? Oh, let's go have some fun. Let's go to painting class. Let's go to yoga. Let's go for, a, go to the Arboretum and go to a walk, go walking. And, um, or let's just hang out or maybe we watch a movie, but there's so much intimacy and um, that fills me up it fills me up and it makes me feel connected and safe and I don't know if that that feeling is possible in a romantic relationship I've never had it um, even being married you know I've never really had it and um, that is my that is my heart's desire, though. Mine too. Yeah. And um, I don't believe it's a fantasy. I don't think it's a fantasy. I don't either. And it is, that is definitely the objective. It takes but, time and it takes work, though. It does. It does. And, and you've got to be, there. you know, you have to, I think, there's got to be trust. It's like, you know, me working with other women, you know, when I sponsor them, um, I... There's there's definitely a cadence to the to the way and the the um, timing of when I release this information about me and this information about me, and um, you know as we as we build and we go along, I I've learned to be more and more open and to you know to trust, and I think that that is such a big part of that is to trust. But what I'm learning or what I see with this is that you know I'm. I think for me, it's so interesting how we have this opposite thing, like to make eye contact and to be open and, you know, maybe smile with my eyes a little bit at somebody, a stranger on the street is really important, an exercise that's really important for me to practice being open and showing people who I really am. And then I, I wonder what you would say to, um, you know, to someone that's, you know, maybe late twenties and, um, not married single and is concerned about her body. Like maybe she's had a child and, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it never goes back the way it was. 
Oh, yes, but that is the magic of you. How does that person build her self-esteem? How does she become okay again? I think it's important that we practice those things or, you know, if that were me, that I practice them in a safe group, perhaps, of, um, of people. So I think going to um, an all-gender meeting and going to the fellowship afterwards or someplace that it's not a one-on-one -on -one thing. I know for me, I get in trouble if it's one-on-one. -on -one. And also, though, we're not obligated. I think society expects women to make eye contact and smile and be polite. And I can hear it in my voice. There's that irritation mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Right. I have learned that it is not my job to make someone else have a good day or say, oh, have a great day. <laughs> you know, if I feel like I want to do that, I can. And also, you know, if someone looks at me and I don't like what I see or I get a weird feeling, then I don't have to play nice. I don't have to. And that is freedom. That's definitely freedom. Also, when I went to yoga teacher training, I was one of the older students. We had students, uh, my group, we had about 40 people from age 19 or 20 up into um, early 60s. And what I saw from that was there are, there are young people, young women that do have like a healthy mindset despite all of the pressure from social media. I know at that age, my pressure came from, well, it started early. It started um, with me having subscriptions, of course, that my parents gave me to teen magazines when I was not a teen. And that's where the pressure started. And then television and um, all of those things. So I think though, what I've learned is once I really got comfortable with myself and developed these intimacy skills and um, connected, like the connection to higher power, connection, a spiritual life. Before I had a spiritual life, I had really nothing but a physical life in terms of my body's what I got. And my body is how I attract a partner. And um, I think, you know, our culture tells us that. And it works, no doubt. I mean, it works, and it doesn't work for the long haul for the type of... Well, it's because I just think that it's not... It, it's going to give you that, the attraction to the body, and not my soul, which is what I really want. And don't get me wrong. I appreciate beautiful bodies. I appreciate, you know, beautiful bodies. It takes a lot of work. Generally, it takes a lot of work. Um, I mean, some people have, like, amazing genetics, but in general, people are really putting in the work. But we don't know. That's personal, right? It's personal. It could all be all about looks. And what I do know is that um, that fades over time. It changes. We do have to deal with aging. And I wouldn't have known. I couldn't have 
I probably couldn't have taken any of this in my 20s, but I would just say, like, oh, give yourself a break. You know, girl, just give yourself a break. Right. So yeah. what I what I heard you say, it's like, you know, I do love the part about, you know, the, the gender-only meetings. I think those are really important. They were really important to me when I first came in. And I think it really did help me build my self-esteem without even that being the aim. All I wanted was relief from the addiction, from the withdrawal. But in seeking that, um, you know, we, we started to do stuff and laugh and play and have fun and create regular um, outings with, with each other, with the group. And I can remember walking into La Madeline's on a Monday or a Thursday and my friends being there and just feeling so accepted and very like I felt like I mattered and like I was a significant part of this group and so I agree with that wholeheartedly and building relationships with those women you know being honest and forthright and authentic being my authentic self and um you know, trying and developing those intimacy skills by, um, you know, practicing. You've got to, like, I had to sort of, like, try a little bit. You know, I had to, like, let this piece go and then let a little bit more and a little bit more in in, in a very safe sort of measured way, not, bleh, you know, here's all of me, you know. And it really developed relationships you know with women that I still have relationships today you know MG being one of them you know from way back then way back then you know when we first got sober so I think that I think that though that's a really and then I love the piece because I always forget to mention this is you know being honest with your higher power and developing a relationship with your higher power you know and creating a regular conversation around that and I think those things will cure you know they will eventually not cure but aid the process in in my the way that I'm doing it the practicing of being open and authentic and then yours as well as as far as like you know not going out there and eye contact but instead you know this is who I am you know and making those relationships that count and taking the time to develop them rather than, you know, let's, let's fuck dude right now. You know, I want to stop the, don't know, don't get to know me. Let's just have sex. <laughs> I believe that uh, my higher power cares about my body. I believe that my body is a gift from God. I believe that my body is um, a container for my spirit, for my soul, for this work that I do, that I now understand more about my purpose of why I'm here on earth. And it's more of a treasure now than it ever has been, even though I have definitely, you know, looked more sexy, been in better shape, weighed less. And there's still part of me that wants to be able to reclaim, reclaim that at some level, um, but it's not nearly as strong and um, 
you know, if I were dating, maybe I would feel differently. There's a, you know, there would be that pressure. And um, I've also learned that, you know, how I dress, what I wear, spending a little more on clothing, right? And I learned from Oprah, like really, it, you know, spend money on your undergarments because they make a big, di you know, it makes a big difference in what I look like, how I feel, how I present myself to the world. And I believe uh, higher power cares about my food. And if I really bring God into everything, then, um, you know, I stop using food. I stop using exercise as a way to numb out or as a way to cope with feelings that I don't want to. And it just becomes a healthy part of living this sober life that we live. Amen. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for your thank you. Candidacy. And thank you, listener. Um, you have been listening to CJ and Elizabeth. MG is kind of taking a little sabbatical as she goes back to school. We are Sober Sisters Talk. This is our podcast. We invite you to um, listen to previous episodes. Um, I don't even know how many there are now, but I know there's over 100. We just posted 113 today. That is amazing. So that's worth celebrating for sure. So share it with your with your sisters in sobriety. We appreciate the listens. And um, as long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep producing them. Thank you. Thank you. Till the next time. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.sobersisterstalk.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week.